Welcome to day 103 of Shaped by the Word. I'm here with the Normal Friday crew. This is uh, Matthew Kresge over here and David Keefe. I'm Paul Kemp, and we begin a new book today. We've in the habit of beginning our new books on Friday, leaving you hanging over the weekend, uh, but this is a nice little letter. Uh, we began with the Gospel of Luke, then we went through the book of Acts, and we've returned to Paul's letters, and they kind of dot the landscape of the book of Acts. So you remember, you know, as we come to First Thessalonians, or those of you on the video, First Thess, we're going to have to get a bigger light bar so we can give the biblical books their full recognition. And uh, this little book with a long title is certainly rich in, in theology. It's remarkable that there was a church in Thessalonica. Uh, Paul comes into the city of Thessalonica and is only able to be there a little bit more than two weeks. He reasons in the synagogue on three Sabbaths. Uh, many you know, Jews come to faith, even more Gentiles come to faith. But the Jews are stirred up, and they stir up you know, rowdy guys in the marketplace, and they run Paul out of the city. He, he goes to Berea. Uh, the Jews from Thessalonica follow him there and dog his steps. So uh, Silas and Timothy, you know, go back, you know, to cover their tracks and to help establish the churches. But Paul goes on, you know, to uh, uh, Athens and Macedonia. And so we have a, a church that was formed quickly and yet has, has prospered under the gospel. It's remarkable that it's there. There are a couple of challenges they're facing. Uh, one is, is, is they're, they're convinced that the Lord has already returned. His return is physical, you know, I mean, uh, figurative rather than physical. And somehow, you know, the, those who have died have, have lost out. And Paul reassures them they will know when the Lord returns. And when he does return, there is no one in him who will not be included in him. And, and the other is they're facing really tough persecution, as their birth might have indicated. Uh, the Jews turned against them and uh, have expelled them from the Jewish community. The Gentiles have also turned against them. So they're facing dogged persecution. They're facing a theological challenge, and many of them are kind of dropping out and not uh, because they're looking forward to the coming of Christ, that they're not engaged in life anymore. So that brings us to this uh, nice little letter, probably the second you know piece of literature that we have in the new testament written about you know 50 a.d from the apostle paul so let's dig in before we do uh let's um as we always do realize what a what a sacred gift we've been given in, in scripture uh, paul will tell us in timothy that every part of it is breathed out you know, by God, Peter will tell us it wasn't somebody's invention, invention, but people were, you know, carried along by the Holy Spirit as they wrote the words that God had for us. And so Scripture is God's gift to us in order to reveal His heart to us and to continue His work in us. And it's always a holy moment when we come to the text because we are meeting in the presence of God with with God through Christ Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. So, David, do you mind lifting us up before we yeah, let's pray. before we read? And Father, it is so true what a gift we have in Your Word. We do ask now that as we turn to it, that Your Spirit would accompany us reading and, and looking at Your Word. And we trust that, um, Father, You are able to meet us where we are with Your Scriptures. And so, Father, for those of us that need conviction, we ask You would bring conviction. And for those of us that need encouragement, we, we ask that through your word we would be deeply encouraged as we look to it and behold its wonders, and most importantly as we behold 
the, the, the Christ and the good news that it speaks of. And so may we um, be encouraged as we turn to you now. We pray this all in your great and your wonderful name. Amen. First Thessalonians, <clears throat> Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Remember for our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without result. We'd previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you this, his, gospel, his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We're not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority, instead we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into the kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's church in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus Christ and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. If we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are glory and our joy. 
nice, uh, nice little open to the letter. And of course, you have uh, what we pointed out was, you know, absent, you know, in Paul's letter to Galatian, we have, you know, the thanksgiving, you know, in verse two. Mm -hmm. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before. Our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you ought to keep your eye on these these three words, faith, hope, and love. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll find out in you know Corinthians where Paul, you know, will talk about uh, people who are exercising spiritual gifts, but they're not doing it, you know, through the love of Christ. And as they're doing it, they're becoming arrogant and puffed up. And so he offers them a better way, you know, the example of love. And he says, now remain these three, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Uh, One of my mentors said, these are the three marks, you know, of maturity, you know, for Paul. One is, you know, greater confidence in Christ. And the other is a greater love for the saints and for the the gospel. And and finally, it's a sense of endurance. It just comes because we've set our hope not on the things of this world, but we've set our hope on on Christ Jesus. And so this is the first time we hear, you know, this trio of words. You'll find it, you know, throughout Paul's writings. Mm-hmm. And it's a fun thing to keep an eye on. Well, well verse 4, where he says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. I mean, what a what a way to, to open a letter to, you know, believers just encouraging them that this is your identity, you're loved by God, he has chosen you. And it was the power of the gospel that you've received, you know, and, you know, to me, it just kind of lays aside all the kind of the pretense or, or maybe even just the, you know, the, your salvation depends on you or, you know, hold, hold fast as if everything's on you. It's actually God who has loved you and has chosen you. And it, it really shapes the rest of the Thessalonians faith when he says, and you've become the model example of all believers as you've lived in light of this great salvation or lived out the great salvation. Yeah. And of course, the gospel is always so much more than just words on a page. You know, Paul would say in Romans, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel because of the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes." In a first for the Jew and for the Gentile, and what a great prayer we can be praying for ourselves that the gospel would never become you know, to us just a few words on a page, but it always yeah. be a powerful presence in, in our life. And, and I love those, you know, other, you know. Accompanied by the Holy Spirit with deep conviction, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. what a what a, what a powerful uh, powerful image, the gospel through His Spirit and through deep deep conviction. And we also see, I think, in these opening two chapters, just the deep love Paul had for these people. Obviously, he he's thanking them continually. He's mentioning them in, in his prayers. We see in, in in chapter two, like a nursing mother cares for his children, so we cared for you. We didn't just share the gospel we also shared our, our lives and even later on in chapter two when you know they get orphaned um, from each other they get separated even though it was in person not in thought so his thoughts were still with them and then he even concludes so beautifully with it with calling them indeed you are our glory and our joy just just the heart that paul had mm-hmm. for these believers who came to faith in such difficult circumstances and then not even just came to faith but thrived in their faith in, in these difficulties and so you can see just that pastoral heart and that shepherd's heart that Paul has for these people. And, and he said, as, and, uh, as apostles, we could have asserted our authority. Yeah. We could have been a burden. Mm-hmm. Instead, we worked hard with our own hands in order to be an example to you. And also, 
that you might not, you know, uh, confuse our motives, how deeply we love. And he uses those three images. We, we came to you like children. We came to you like a mother. We came to you mm-hmm. like a father. Children, you know, just a, not assuming, you know, great power, not authority, like a mm-hmm. mother nurturing you mm-hmm. and giving you anything that you needed. And like a father encouraging, urging you and, mm-hmm. you know, cheering you on in the faith. And what... What great images for those of us that are in the ministry, mm-hmm. you know, to remember the gentleness of a child, the nurturing presence of a mother, and the encouraging and you know, yeah. spirit of a father. I love two verse two. He says, "We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers." And then verse thirteen, and we thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but what it actually is, right. yeah. as the word of God. You know, and then he'll go on and say, "We were separated for a time, but not in thought." I mean, the again, the heart of Paul, you know, to say when when I'm praying and I'm thinking of you, you know, or when I'm praying, I'm thinking of you and I'm thanking God for you because of what the Word of God is doing among you, and I'm continuing to pray for that. And I think one of the marks we see, and he gives us an example of, you know, what was so powerful about the, what was the Word doing that was powerful? You know, and it says that when they received it, they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You know, the power of the Word of God begins to break the hold of, break hold of idols, you know, that, that are capturing our heart. And, and so I, lo- I love that kind of imagery and, the word and that is still the the power of the gospel and the invitation of the gospel is to turn away from worthless idols to mm-hmm. the true mm-hmm. and living god uh even though the idols over the years have taken different shape and different form the heart of man is basically the same we attach ourselves to things that are not ultimate things and they begin to enslave us control us and rob us of our deep affections and it is only when we turn away from those things and turn to the living God that we find the freedom. You know, we read about last week in the book, or all this week, you know, in the book of Galatians, uh, you know, that we find as children of God through the Holy Spirit. And, and I liked, you know, what you pointed out whenever uh, you received, you know, our message, you received it not as just a, a human word or another, you know, piece of, you know, human instruction. You received it as it really is the Word of God. And when you combine that with what we talked about a while ago, receiving it with, you know, power and deep conviction through the Holy Spirit, then you have everything that we're talking about and being shaped by, you know, uh, God's Word, mm-hmm. that it is His Word that comes to us in His power through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And leads us to deep conviction that uh mm-hmm. and it does you know leads to those three things deeper confidence in christ our our, our faith a deeper engagement with the body of christ our, mm-hmm. our love and a, a deeper longing to ultimately be completed in christ mm-hmm. our hope well i love to the little phrase he attaches to the end of that which is indeed at work in those who believe you know you don't receive a powerful gospel and then it's done its effect and it grows stale it continues to work and I remember when I was in a class with uh, Tom Schreiner, he said that the Word of God is a performative Word. And that always stuck out to me that you know, the Word of God does. It continues to, to perform and do its work you know, as, as we continue to receive. The Word of the writer of Hebrews, it's powerful and effective, yeah. <laughs> sharper than any, you know, any two-edged dagger, mm. penetrating, even dividing thoughts, exposing you know, the attitudes of the heart. Mm. It is a wonderful gift that we've received and. It uh, continues to form us and shape us and to draw our imaginations to define who we are and what we are becoming you know, in, Christ, in, in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Nice, nice beginning to a nice little letter, and we'll yeah. be through this one really quick because these are yep. really, you know, some letters are called letters. These, these may have been postcards. 
uh, but uh, they are rich. But these are some there. of the most overlooked letters. Too. I, yeah, absolutely. Like Thessalonian letters are they're rich. Sometimes Paul gives us more theology in his opening prayer than we than we can uh, yeah. you know that we can ex- explore and exploit uh, in, uh, in an entire lifetime. So it's fantastic we do that. So, David, did you lead us in with prayer? Yeah, I think it opened us. It was a really incredible prayer. Oh, thanks, Matt. I was thankful for that. Matt, can can you match that by leading us out? See what I can do. You know, with a a high and lofty prayer that takes us to the third or fourth, fifth heaven, somewhere up there. Yeah, somewhere beyond where Paul was. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it it is indeed at work um, among us as we believe. And and so, Father, would you continue to... um, to do exactly what you desire to do through your word. Forgive us for the times where we um, we overlook it or we we simply treat it as just merely human words, but God, would you um, continue to convict us through it, continue to point us to your son and t- continue to transform us into the image of Christ. We thank you um, for this time together, and we thank you for the encouragement um, as, as we read about Paul's prayers and his heart for the Thessalonians. Um, God, would you give us a heart? Um, for other believers and and a greater heart for you. Father, we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.